You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and uh, flip them open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 as we uh, continue in our Real Talk series, the Sermon on the Mount series, and uh, the message entitled, The Words You Never Want to Hear. The words you never want to hear. You know, there are are lots of words I don't want to hear. Uh, For instance, I asked Sue a question the other day, and she gave me the words I didn't want to hear. She said, are you ready for this? She said, no, we are not going to Dairy Queen. (laughs) Like, where did that come from? Okay, well, that pales, obviously, to some other words that uh, you thought you never wanted to hear, but uh, maybe you've had to face them. Uh, maybe as a, uh, a, a, young, a young person, a, a student in high school, uh, you wanted to go to a party or go somewhere, and you heard those words, uh, you are not going. You are not going. And those are not the words you wanted to hear. And you said some things to your parents after you heard those words like, you're the worst parents in the world. I hate you. I wish I had different parents because you heard some words that you didn't want to hear. Maybe you remember growing up and trying out for a team and uh, the final roster came and you got the word, you didn't make the team. Words that you didn't want to hear. Or maybe you were at your job and one day you got called in and and the boss said, "Um, you are fired. Or maybe somebody very close to you said the words, "Um, you have failed me. Words that no one would want to hear. Or you worked so hard to get ready for for a job and and then it all came and, and you heard the words, you are not getting the job or you are not getting the promotion. Or maybe... um, You were trying to have kids for a long, long time and couldn't have kids. And you go into the doctor's office and he says, you're never going to have children. Or you're in the doctor's office and he said, that disease you have is inoperable. Maybe you sat there and heard those words as they were spoken to your mom or your dad and words that you never wanted to hear. Or maybe you've sat in the doctor's office and heard the words, you have cancer. Those are illustrations of words that you don't want to hear. Um, But they're not the most critical of words that you never want to hear. Those words are found in Matthew chapter 7. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read his word. And I'm going to start in verse 21. It says there, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, hold in our hands the, uh, the very words that you've protected for us to guide us, to direct us, that uh, we can build the foundation of our life on. And as Jesus comes to this part of the text, Lord, he lays out this statement about not knowing us and depart from him. Truly, God, those are the words no one in this room ever wants to hear. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word today and minds to comprehend and understand what what Jesus Christ is teaching. 
And then, Lord, hearts, hearts, Lord, to respond. If, if we are that person who's ready to hear those words, that we would turn in repentance and faith today and follow Jesus Christ. Or, Lord, you would build in the rest of us who have a confidence in Jesus Christ and what he's done. And don't fear those words, but, Lord, what are we doing with the reality of those words for the people who surround us? So, God, would you guide through our service? Would you work in this place as only you can for your fame and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. Just as a bit of a review of the last part of this teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes to this section that's filled with different warnings. Um, Jesus is really getting to the place that they're going to understand through the teaching he's going to bring through the rest of his ministry that either you're for him or you're against him. And he concludes the Sermon on the Mount by giving the disciples and the crowd and the religious uh, leaders uh, some four basic warnings that they must choose. They must choose, the first one was they must choose one of two gates that leads to one of two ways, that leads to one of two destinies. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we saw the warning about uh, the false prophets and what's going to come of them as a result of being a false prophet and... And today we see the message about two kinds of disciples. And then the next time we're back in this text, we're going to look at two foundations. All of them being a warning. All of them being the lights are flashing on and off. You need to get this right. You need to, you need to get this right. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. This passage, compared to last week's passage, kind of broadens it out. Last week's was about the false teachers. This week is truly towards the false teachers, but it goes beyond that. It goes to all disciples, everyone who would claim to be a follower of God. And so it's for everyone in the room. It's for us to, it's for us to understand. And so four uh, things we want to see. Uh, coming out of the principle in verse uh, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to see four things, but, but here's the goal. Not everyone who says is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Most people in our world believe they're going to heaven. Most people, if you ask them if they believe in God, if they say they believe in God, they think, if I die, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. Their pastor told them they were going to go to heaven. Their priest told them they were going to go to heaven. Their rabbi told them they were going to, going to go to heaven. Somebody told them, you're going to be all right. I've been at a couple of funerals in the last year that I just about was sick to my stomach. As I listened, as the, as the person who calls himself a Christian put everybody in the room into heaven. We're all going to be okay. No, we're not all going to be okay. But most people, most people think I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get to heaven. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow is the gate. Narrow. And so you've heard the words and therefore you think, people think, oh, I'm going to go to heaven or, or um, I, I've been a good person. I've done the good things. The whole works thing. We talk about it all the time around here. Works is not what gets you to heaven. But they think that I'm going to stand before God and somehow God Almighty, the King of the universe, is going to look down on what I did and overall I was an okay guy, so I'm going to get to heaven. And this text says there's a repercussion, there's serious repercussions for this. Um, good works outweigh my bad works, therefore I'll be okay and I'll get to the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is this kingdom of heaven that he's talking about? Because the Bible refers to different kind of pieces to this. this in this text, he's talking about 
heaven. Heaven, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Uh, here's a couple of verses. John 18, 36 says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Romans 14, 17. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, eternal life begins for you the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're going to talk a lot about that today. The moment that you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when eternal life starts. starts but that's not when heaven starts. Heaven is still coming. Before that, there's going to be a judgment that comes. We all should be looking forward in the future. We all should be looking forward to heaven. We all should be looking forward to what that means and just how awesome it would be to worship with God. Our worship was great today, but to worship with God will be so much, so much better. Matthew 13, 40 to 43 says, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawless breakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. There is a heaven that we look forward to. There is an eternal life that so outstrips everything we have in this world. In the text it says, um, in that day. In that, in that day or on that day. Verse 22, on that day. On that day. Um, well, what day? The day when we'll stand before God. The day when we will face a judgment on that day. In 2 Timothy 1.12 it says, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day. That day. It's all coming down to that day. There's going to be an accounting. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be on that day what has been entrusted to me. Verse 18 says, may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.8 says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. There's an everlasting kingdom that is coming. Now, there's something that's absolutely staggering in this passage that we might miss. They didn't miss it on the day when Christ taught it. Um, it's found right in, the, uh, right in the text. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare, I never knew you. Depart from me. See, that word Lord, Lord for them, they would have thought teacher, teacher, uh, great leader, one to follow. Um, and what Jesus says takes it way beyond that. Jesus is saying, I'm not just a great teacher. 
Uh, we're going to come to the end of this message, um, of this uh, message that he did on the Sermon on the Mountain. He's going to talk about how they, like this guy taught with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. This is so different. Jesus said in that very last verse, he says this, and he sets himself apart. He says this, he says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. No religious leader, no Jewish teacher in their right mind is ever telling them, now you just do this, do this, do this, and because I'm going to judge you. You want a text where Jesus declares he is God and he will judge the righteous and the unrighteous? It's found right here. It's found right in this text. He says, I am going to do that. And you have to see what's going on. Imagine what's going on is they're sitting there and they're hearing this and the other people that that word is going to, do you know what Jesus said? You know what he taught today? He taught that he's going to judge the living and the dead. He was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be the Messiah. He was claiming to be the one who would be the deliverer. And so what we do with Jesus Christ and how we understand who he is is so critical for us. It would have been staggering for them. He will be the one people must stand before in the final day of judgment. He is the one who is rightly to be called Lord. So all of this leads us to the four principles that I want us to see today as we consider then where we are in all of this. And here's the first principle. The way to God's kingdom is not based on right words. The way to God's kingdom is not based on right words. Look what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You've heard the statement, talk is cheap. Uh, people say things all the time. People say things so that they can be accepted by a crowd or, or fit in with whoever they want to fit in with. Um, the reality is that uh, actions uh, speak louder than words. Um, faith is faith is always demonstrated. It's not enough to say, no, no, Jesus is Lord. It's not enough. Satan would say that. You believe there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. James 2.19. It's not based on right words. Faith that does not have works is dead, James says. You need to understand, my, my goal of this message is not to make Christians lose their assurance. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your salvation is as secure as anything ever has been. Nothing is more secure than your faith in Christ. It, it's, just, you're, it's locked down. But it's not just about words. Lots of people who use the words who aren't in Christ. So not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. The words begin the relationship. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that works save you. Works never saved anyone. None of our works come close to accomplishing what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. But your works demonstrate that you are in Christ. And if there aren't any, and all you've got is, you know, when I was eight years old, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I've lived like a pagan ever since. These verses could be written to you. There will be a difference in your life. And words, words are not enough. Because the words lead to a relationship, and relationship leads to change. And that is what is seen in every true follower of Jesus Christ. And so he says, um, the kingdom of God is not based on right, right words. 
An oral confession of Jesus as Lord does not always indicate a repentant, a turned, a changed heart. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And if so, those words make you uneasy today, then you need to search your heart. You need to search your heart. You need to make sure that your faith is real and it is really where you are at because you do not want to be standing before God and hear the words you never want to hear. The way to God's kingdom is not based on right words. The way to God's kingdom is not based on right deeds either. Um, On that day, verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Deeds are not what save a person. But you look at that list, that's a pretty impressive list. Jesus doesn't deny that this wasn't going to happen. He doesn't deny that it doesn't happen. You know, one of the realities that I know in my own life is uh, there are lots of times when God has worked in spite of me. Not necessarily with me, but in spite of me. And God does things on his timetable. and Lives are changed. There are people who've gone out who were charlatans preaching the word of God. And people got saved. Praise the Lord for that. But they're going to hear, I never knew you. You were just in it for the money. You were just in it for the prestige. You were in it for whatever it was, but you were not in it for the glory of God. So can somebody be out there? Could somebody be out there and they cast out a demon in Jesus' name? If Jesus decides the demon is coming out, it's coming out. We've done mighty works in your name. And if, can people do things and people's lives get you? Yeah, it can happen. And so Jesus doesn't set any of that aside. You're just kind of like, well, why, does, why doesn't he just like shut that all down? God, God sometimes works in spite of us. God loves to work with us. But sometimes he works in spite of us. It's not based on our, our right deeds. Mighty works are not proof of the Father's will since they can come from sources other than God, including demons and human plan and contrivance and manipulating and all of those things. He doesn't say you didn't really prophesy or cast out or do miracles. You tried to do those things, but your heart wasn't for me and your motive was wrong and deeds, deeds, right deeds don't get us to the kingdom of heaven. And so we understand that sometimes miracles are granted through pretended believers reminding us that in the final analysis, deeds prove nothing about the heart of the person who did them. They can be a sign. We can look for evidence because we talk about fruit and seeing fruit and seeing consistency, but not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who does these things, right deeds without a right relationship cannot save you. And so we understand the way to God's kingdom is not based on right words, but a change in relationship. uh, The way to the kingdom is not based on right deeds, but it's based on the relationship that would lead us to do those deeds. So then we come to the third point, the way to God's kingdom, it can be rejected. The way to God's kingdom can be rejected. It's kind of obvious in the text. Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
the way to the kingdom can be rejected. And then verse 23, and, and then I will declare, I never knew you. I'm not everyone. Not everyone. I never knew you. Believing and knowing are not the same thing. Believing and knowing are not the same thing. I already quoted the verse from James 2.19. You believe God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe, they shudder. Knowing right facts, knowing the right stories, being able to say even the right truths, but having a wrong heart. There are lots of people in church history, there are lots of people who come into a church and try and sway people and all the rest to go off and they, they lead them down the, the broad way to destruction because they never knew the Lord. The way can be rejected. In John 12, 42 and 43, it says, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. Hear this. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glories that come from man more than the glories that come from God. Oh, that's a great verse to kind of put up for to see how you're doing in all of this. They love the glories of man more than they love the glories of God. John 8, 30, 30 to 32, John 8, 30 to 32 says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let no one think just because they say, I believe in Jesus, they have a free ticket to heaven. True relationship with Christ is what saves us. It's the work of God that saves every single person in the room. And you can't earn it and you don't deserve it. But the reality is when you trust Jesus Christ, you are so overwhelmed with what he does. It has to change you. It has to. You can never be the same again. Not perfect, not sinless. We're all on that pathway of sanctification. It's a bumpy road and sometimes it hurts, but we are moving forward. We are changing. But the reality is this way can be rejected. It can be rejected. And that's where you will hear the words, I never knew you, never approved of your conduct, never was in that loving relation, never regarded you as my friend or as my child. Psalm 1.6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God, God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord, let everyone who says the words be changed, be different. 1 Corinthians 8, 3 says, but every, anyone who loves God, he is known from God, known by God. You know, I, th I thought about those uh, words in the last verse, and it says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. And then the other part is the reason, you workers of lawlessness. But those two statements, I never knew you, depart from me. And, and I wondered this week as I was thinking about this, which half of that statement is worse? Which half of it is worse? I don't know you. 
God looking at you and going, I don't know you. Or depart from me. See, the great hope for anyone who's in the room today that I don't know you can change to I know you. But the depart from me will never change. I don't know if one's heavier than the other. I don't know if one's worse than the other. I just know that those are two statements that make up the words you never want to hear that we want to consider very carefully as we think about the reality of our faith. You know, my uh, belief from God's word says that once you're saved, you are always saved. You are truly saved. You never, you don't lose your salvation. It's not an on-off thing. It's not a, I committed a switch. Jesus doesn't love me anymore. I got to get right with Jesus and ask him into my heart again. That's not the way salvation works. Salvation is once, once, and done. Once and done. Um, this is a great picture of, of, of security for the believer. But it's also a great piece that helps us understand that the person who left the faith, walks away, despises God, they were never saved. They didn't lose their salvation. You don't lose your salvation. But you may have never known God. And that's where the truth for this would come. I think this is one of the greatest of verses about this whole area that you don't fall from grace in this text. This text settles the question and proves that whatever else people had, they never had a true relationship with Christ. In 1 John 2.19, it says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all were not of us. People don't know Christ and fall away. They never knew him. And then the Lord says, depart from me. Uh, Jesus Christ, the way to heaven, the way to the kingdom, it can be rejected. And that's all the bad news. Here's the great news for the way to the kingdom. It can be known it can be known. And so can Jesus Christ. He can be known. In that very first part of the verse, that's where the hope is. So whatever, excuse me, wrong verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I really believe just in two general senses, there's two major pieces to this for us to understand. What's the will of God in heaven? Well, why is Jesus teaching this? Why is he here? What's he beginning to proclaim? What's he helping them to understand? That he is the Messiah. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. What's the will of God? The will of God is that we would understand who Christ is and we would trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's the will of God that we're going after first. It comes in our salvation. And then following that, we're not going to spend much time on that today, but comes our sanctification. That's the part where we're growing up in Christ every day. But the will of God, the will of God for you, you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That was God's will for you. That's what he wanted. That's why Christ came. That's why he died. So you could have eternal life. That's God's will. And that offer is made through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the gate is narrow and few will choose it the way is hard, but leads to eternal life. It can be known. It can be known. That God does this work in sending his son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's called the gospel. It's called the good news. It's the why did Jesus come? Jesus came because we were separated from God and we couldn't fix it. And there was nothing we would ever do that would satisfy the wrath of God. 
And so Jesus Christ came. And he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the unblemished lamb. He was the one who shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The shedding of your blood won't cover your sin. The good works will not cover your sin. And so Jesus Christ came. That's the good news. He came so that he could offer to us through his finished work eternal life. It's called the gospel. And you can't earn it because he, he did it for you. It was a gift. So what's the will of God? You're here today hearing God's word. The will of God is that you would admit that you're a sinner. That's the will of God. But would you come to the place of admitting that you're a sinner? Romans 3.10 and 23. We talk about the Romans road around here a lot. None is righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you can't come to Jesus Christ in salvation until you understand you're a mess and you can't fix it. You have to admit you're a sinner. No, no, but I can offer things. I'm good. I, I'm a standard for God. God's standard isn't did you do some good stuff. God's standard is purity. God's standard is righteousness. God's standard is sinlessness. And that's only accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. Are you saying you're sinless? No, I'm not sinless. But when God looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done for me. You have to come to the place of understanding that you're a sinner and you have to admit it. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing truth. You're a mess. And yet Christ died for you. You hated him. And yet he died for you. You have to admit you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. But that free gift of God is eternal life. And it comes through Jesus Christ the Lord. To come to the place of understanding, admit that you are a sinner. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. Romans 10, 13, for, for, that's the very words. For if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, didn't you just say it's not just about words? This is the beginning. This is where it starts, but it, it results in a changed life. It results in the demonstration that you admitted you were a sinner and understood there was nothing you could do about it. it it's demonstrated in the reality of how you live after you trust Christ. Those things are never going to save you. You're only saved by the work of Jesus Christ, but demonstrated in the working out in your life. Admit you're a sinner. Next thing is believe in Jesus. We use the term put your trust in him. Um, it comes to the understanding of, uh, of getting to the place of I was trusting in myself and what I could do and how I was going to get there and, and I had to come to the place of understanding that was a hashtag fail for sure and I was coming over here and I'm putting my trust in the Jesus is the only way plan. He is the one who, who gave his life for me and I have to transfer my trust. I have to believe. I have to have faith. John 3.16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whosoever does what? Whosoever tries hard for him, whosoever tries to work it out on their own, whosoever like, puts their best foot forward. No, that's not what the verse says. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, believes in him. When I stand before God, I'm not standing before God by what I've done. And look, Lord, look at this pile of good things I did. He's I don't know you. You're not my son. You're not my daughter. I don't know you. 
will not perish, the person who believes, but have everlasting life. Because why? Well, because I stand before God and it's like, Lord, broken, broken. I deserve none of this. I deserve none of this. But Jesus Christ died for me. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I put my faith in him. God, the only hope I have today is Jesus. Admit you're a sinner and believe in Jesus Christ. You become a child of God. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and, and he with me. And then the Bible teaches us that we confess. We confess that Jesus is the Lord. Uh, Romans 4.12 says, For there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, Romans 10.10, For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. We come to the place of confession of who Jesus Christ is. Um, and and we, we alone, we're, we're putting it all, Lord, we're putting it all in who you are, putting it all in what you've done, Lord. See, that's what the Father's will is for a person that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you would go, I've been walking this way. And I no longer can walk this way because it's going to lead me to destruction. It's the path that's nice now. It's the path that's fun now. It's the path that everybody's on now. It's about, I'm not staying on that path. It's repenting. That's the picture of turning and moving in a new direction. That's why Jesus says, not everybody says, Lord, Lord is going to the kingdom of heaven, but he who does my will. It involves a change of heart and a change of attitude and a change of direction. Repentance. In Acts 20, 21, it says, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greek of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, are you here and you've never put your trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Do not let pride cause you to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. It's a transfer of your trust. The prayer that you say in this is really the expression of what your heart has already done. So it's not about special words in a salvation prayer. Because those words are a demonstration of your heart. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, something like this is what you need to understand and say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and there's nothing I can do to save myself. I confess my complete helplessness to forgive my own sin or to work my way to heaven. At this moment, I trust Christ alone as the one who bore my sin when he died on the cross. I believe he did all that will ever be necessary for me to stand in your holy presence. I thank you that Christ was raised from the dead as a guarantee of my own resurrection. Today, I turn from my sinful ways and transfer my trust to Jesus Christ, my Savior. I'm grateful that he has promised to receive me despite of my many sins and my failures. Thank you for the assurance that you will walk with me through the deep valley and that you are, are for, hear, and for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
The person who transfers their trust for themselves to Christ alone for their salvation. First uh, John 3 says, now are we the children of God. Now are you a son of God. Now are you a daughter of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know it's going to be a lot better than this when we get to heaven. And we stand with the Lord. Why am I coming? I'm coming because of him. I'm coming because of what he did. And then we begin to live the life of sanctification, becoming holy, to be separate, to be different. Because it's what demonstrates, it's the fruit. It's what demonstrates that you truly are in Jesus Christ. Are you doing the Father's will? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you growing up in Jesus Christ? Well, so what? So what? The way to God's kingdom is not based on right words. It's not based on being able to babble out the right sayings. It's the beginning of the relationship that changes you. It's not based on doing right deeds. This way to the kingdom can be rejected. Jesus Christ can be rejected. But he can be known. He can be known. In Philippians 2, 9 to 11, it says, Therefore, speaking of Jesus, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe that this is like the fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7. You see, there's going to be a day when every knee is going to bow. You're like, I'm not bowing. Yeah, you are. No, I don't believe that. I don't care. You're going to bow. You're going to bow. And you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But that's not going to get you to heaven because it's too late. Because the Lord will look you in the eye and he'll say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me. Or you'll come to that day and you'll bow your knee and it'll be like, woo! This is awesome. I finally get to meet Jesus, the one who saved me from my sin. And you'll declare he is Lord. He'll say, enter into my rest. The message today is not designed to make Christians wonder whether they're saved. And you're like, I, I, I'm trying. I love Jesus. I try. All the things you said, I do all those things. I love him. I love him. I love him. But I'm not, I'm not good enough. Yeah, you're never good enough. That's sanctification, that's confession, that's repentance, that's get right with the Lord stuff. But you're in Christ, you're as it's sure, your salvation is as sure as anything could ever be sure if you're in Christ. But if you're not in Christ today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Okay, well, Pastor, but I, I have and I am and I, that's, that's where I'm at. You know, I thought of another application of this. And that is the reality for me to know Jesus Christ, but then to make him known. Make him known. I thought about how could I illustrate this, and it's just an illustration, but just imagine the story of a person who's uh, driving with his brother to go fishing on a weekend, and, and they um, have a, a car crash, and they both are killed. And they're standing before the Lord. And he says to the one guy, um, 
It's time to bow. Yes, you are Lord. You are the king. He says, enter into my rest. And, and you start to walk into heaven. And you turn around and you look at your brother. And you say, what about, what about him? I never knew him. I don't know him. I thought about that in the context of family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. You know, maybe you will never fear the words, I never knew you because you are in Christ and you love the Lord and you want to. But what about the people around you? Are they going to hear those words? You can't, you can't make them not hear those words. You understand that, right? But you can do everything you can so that no one else would ever hear the words, I never knew you. Depart from me. God helping us Will we be people of God, confident in our assurance and passionate for the people who are around us? Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word. It's a strong word. The Lord Jesus, as he comes to the end of this teaching, he lays down these things. It's just like one, one after another, one after another, one after heavy, heavy things. But Lord, it's the teaching from your son. It's your teaching for us. It's what you have for us. Father, I thank you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of the hope I have in him, because of the sanctifying that is being worked out in my life. I know, Lord, I'm never going to hear those words. But Lord, if there's someone in this room who's never trusted Christ, would you bring them to that place today of repentance and faith and following Jesus Christ? But then, Lord, would you also give us a passion for the people who are around us. Your amazing grace reaches down and it saves us and we are so in awe of you. Work for your fame and your glory in these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.